The opinions expressed on this program are those of the host or guests and should not be interpreted as statement of fact. Independent fact-checking and corrections are encouraged. Go get a cup of coffee in here, please. America, you've got a dog that needs walking. That's right, sunshine. Just put on a big pot of strong coffee and get ready to type your little hate mail with your opinions about Kumbaya and Flat Earth insanity. Stand up comedy? You want stand up comedy? Well, we got, well, we've got sit down comedy. It's time for Coffee with a Dog. You make me laugh. Mind dog coffee. Could nothing get your wiener standing straight up and saluting like a fresh cup of mind dog coffee in the morning. Good morning, folks. It's Monday, October 16th, 2023. Start of a new week. Are you excited? Are you all pumped up? Are you ready to go? I'm not. I'm not ready to go, but we have a good show for you today. Two comedians, Tony Deo. Deo! and uh keith chase in hour two uh so look forward to that listen uh if you were tuning into church yesterday you heard the reverend uh do a prayer for our technical difficulties to go away obviously rev needs to work on his mojo just a little bit because we were off to a flying start with technical difficulties already this morning and I got started a little late because I was uh, reading about a dog trapped in a deep cave for three days with a bear. Like that matters to anyone. A lot to talk about today. I want to start uh, before I forget, and I probably have to mention this again. I'm sure I'll get a text message about it. This Thursday, 7 p.m., October 19th, Jackie, the joke man, Martling, and Peter Bales at Bayman's Heritage Memorial Fundraiser, Crescent Beach Club, 333 Bayville Avenue, Bayville, New York. Uh, ticket info at jokeland.com. Please check that out. It's a worthy cause. Um, they're putting up a statue, actually. Not that much of a worthy <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, but um, <laughs> it's a worthy cause. The uh, You know, the uh, attention around the waters around where I live. We, I live on an island, and all the waters have been abused uh, for decades upon decades. If I go out, and look at the uh, water on the South Bay right now. All you see is um, oil and gas remnants all over the top of the water. The, the waters that were once filled with 
abundant uh, shellfish and uh, general fish, uh, non-shellfish, fish fish. <laughs> uh, really, uh, I'm laughing about, but it's not. A, it's a very serious thing. There's nothing left there. It's been uh, dredged to extinction. The clams are gone. The, the oysters are gone. The flounders are gone. The bluefish are gone. Everything's gone except dolphins. I guess dolphins are nice, and they're not really fish. Um, but uh, the waters have been so abused and ruined that we need to do something. Something. I, I don't. Know, I don't know what that um, is a reference. I do know, but I can't talk about it. Anyway, there's a lot I can't talk about today. Uh, I'm going to bring Willie. And GD is in the background, too. I'm going to bring them in in just one second. I just want to mention that uh, I did go to see Attell at uh, Gov's the other night. I'm reluctant to say anything negative about the experience because we are on Gov's radio. But it was not a good experience. I'll just put it at that. The one um, interesting well, there was a lot interesting, but the one that is most interesting to me personally, because I'm all about me, I'm a narcissist, is that uh, standing on a line for an hour and a half to get in, yes, standing on a line in the rain for an hour and a half to get in, I was recognized as Facebook mustache guy, uh, oh, you're, you're the uh, guy with the comedians on, but Facebook mustache guy, mostly, uh, it was bunch of young people i named marcello was the ringleader uh he w- wanted to be my friend and kept shaking my hand like 15 times he shook my hand uh <laughs> and he was with a bunch of uh, his friends and their young lady friends and they were joking <clears throat> some one, one guy was being a, a, a bit of a, an obnoxious guy and wanted to probably start something with me about the mustache uh, the girls were making sexual innuendos about my mustache. But it, it's kind of weird because I'm there by myself. If I was with friends and getting recognized like that, it would be kind of a cool thing. Like, look, I'm somebody. People are recognizing me. But when you're alone, it's like you don't want to necessarily <laughs> draw attention to yourself and the fact that you're there alone. And, uh, I, you know, people are going to mess with me over my mustache. That's fine. I, I'm, I'm cool with that. I mean, it, it comes with the territory. Later in the week, I'm going to have uh, Groucho Marx, uh, personal archivist on it. Uh, Steve Stoller, who actually lived with Groucho for a, a time and did his biography and uh, is the official archivist of uh, Groucho Marx's estate. And it will be kind of interesting for him to get a look at me because <laughs> Jackie was sending me pictures of Groucho Mark face mask all day on Saturday for some reason, uh, making fun of me with that. <laughs> hey, uh, good morning, Willie. And good morning, GD. Looking in the wrong way. Hey, what's I, going on? I go where you put me, dog. <laughs> He's looking in the wrong place. He's looking here, GD. He was looking at you. He's looking. No, he's. He was looking over here. Now I, I was looking at my computer screen. I multitask because I know oh. I'm not going to be talking the whole time. Oh, so. I, that's unusual. <laughs> Did I multitask? No, that you're not going to be talking the whole time. Uh, 
anyway, uh, how was your how was your weekend, guys? Good good weekend. Well, I want to hear about Jason's adventures in in Borgesville. Oh, oh yeah, that was uh, that was fun. That was so much fun, and I think I'm gonna do it again on the 24th uh, at the Guild Cinema. Um. Which is also in Albuquerque, so that'll be fun. Um, that's going to be uh, and uh, and I won't forget. Uh, probably my favorite joke out of all the Jason jokes that I wrote. I uh, because the we didn't do the the process in the way that I wanted. Um, there was a little bit of hiccup with the music or whatever, and you know, as a comedian, that like when you have a when you have it like in your head that I'm going to do this and this and this and this, like when that first thing doesn't happen, like it really will just throw you, you know what I mean? And, and yeah. like, and oh, so yeah. I went in, I went into a different spot and then I kind of rolled back around, but I was, I knew that I was missing a big joke and like and i'm trying to like go through the rolodex but it ends up that i'm just standing up there silently which for jason isn't really all that bad but honestly the songs i sang were, were like i mean the comedy was great and it was fun and um but uh, like i sang do you really want to hurt me at, dressed up as jason and oh my god dude like everyone in the place was just lo- like you know cuz a i didn't i sang it all right and b um like just the image of jason singing that song was just ridiculous, you know, and it was so much fun. And then that's, I, I sang a couple other songs that were really. I have a question. How, how many hours? How many hours have you been up for? I mean, many, literally, I think actually today I woke up at six twenty, but I had a lot of, I got stuff done beforehand, so I didn't have to wake up did, early today. Did you pump yourself full of like speed or something? Where do you get this energy in the morning? I am, I'm just barely up. Oh. What is this, that? This, this, this is monster. Okay. This is, First of all, this, this is, I don't. Okay. Nobody can see what you're drinking off camera. So when he asks you a question about where you're getting your energy, you hold up a cup of Mind Dog coffee. That's okay. Right. I, you I know, I should have said thank you. I don't even that, drink coffee. God. This is Mind Branding, Dog branding. You know, thank you. Thank you, Gigi. Oh. I need these lessons. I do. Always. I need to learn these things. I have a technical question. I have a technical question about your show from Friday night. Now, when you're doing Jason, are you just, are you actually just doing Willie dressed as Jason or are you in character as Jason? So, like, oh, yeah, like no. I was, I was like, yeah, no, I was quiet and slow moving the whole night. Like, I didn't talk to people if I didn't really have to. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, no, no. I, and like, um, uh, earlier in the day, um, I was in grants and stuff and, uh, getting like my nephew's vehicle because my nephew let us use his car. And so, like, I went to Pizza Hut dressed in this way and I stood out on the corner by the gas station and just, kind of creeped people out for a while you know I, I i did the work of getting yeah in character yeah you gotta okay you gotta so be in character stuff, in my I opinion. Do that. <laughs> what wow. i said white privilege stuff because i could not dress yeah 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 no that's true <laughs> you're a hundred percent right to a store. <laughs> this yes this is well my my sister was the manager of the pizza hut 
So, uh, but I did chase a customer out. There was a customer that left because I was like, and she like called my sister. It was like, what is with that guy in your store? Is everything okay? Like, <laughs> it was wow. great. It was great. Wow. So, all, all in all, it was a good weekend. Uh, now, you, oh, it's you, fabulous. It was fun. You watched the church show yesterday morning. Did it? Did it go well? I didn't. I wasn't watching. I thought it was good. I thought it was all right. Oh, uh, I do agree that I think GD or uh, uh, the Reverend um, <laughs> GD. Uh, were you watching? You were watching, right? I, I, I was watching, and I was disappointed because he was missing two pages of notes that I wrote for him. And oh. if he had just he had and he was like looking for them, and if he had just moved his book with his handwritten notes, he'd have found the two pages of typewritten notes that I typed oh, up for him the man. night before. So I was upset because I don't even know why yeah. he couldn't find them. Yeah, that's disappointing that he couldn't for sure. Yeah, yeah uh, he did not have words he, the next day. He mentioned he mentioned that you know maybe he would benefit from other people being. On the show. Oh, I mean, I could. I could definitely join. I could definitely. You, you, <laughs> Are we having technical difficulties? Yeah, 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 yeah. So we had no idea what you. The whole, that whole, oh, yeah, I know. No idea what you're talking about. Yeah. And I there you go, not. holding up the wrong product. Um, excuse me, Matt, can you by <laughs> chance send him a mind dog coffee? Send him a Mind Dog coffee cup so he can right. pour that shit in a Mind Dog cup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll... yeah so no matter what he's drinking, it looks like Mind Dog. Yeah, but... I'll put it in there, I promise. I'm really good at putting it in. Either that or we're going to have it's to write totally a letter out. to I'm not that company is to get some sponsorship for it. Pull your Which mic better. further away from your face. Is that better? That's a little better. Yeah, try out here. Is, is that better? <laughs> try, try, try putting it in Albuquerque. Is that better? <laughs> All right, sir. That's dude. That's actually one of my favorite parts of that whole fucking movie. <laughs> anyway, uh, can I ask you a question, Matt? I, I, I did. Yes, please. Um, it's about Jackie the Joke Man Martlin. What about? I I watched. Uh, there's a show called. The dark side of the comic, com dark side of comedy in 2000. And it's like a two-parter. And they address the friction between Jackie, or Jackie addresses the friction between himself and Howard Stern. Yeah, they don't. <laughs> I, I don't know if you'd seen it. I was just wondering if you'd seen it because I, it sounds like you're friends with him. And I just I, I have not it. seen that particular one, but I've heard every possible take on that. I've heard Howard's take on it from... Uh, they were, believe it or not, Howard still has some allies uh, in the world and people who will take his side. Yeah. And stuff. I've heard Jackie's side and every one of Jackie's friends uh, tell tell the story, uh, people on the show. Um, I've read Jackie's book on it. It's in the joke. A lot of it is in the joke man stuff. I've heard uh, from Nancy, Jackie's ex-wife, her side of the story. So I think I know the whole universe of that whole thing. Basically, what I think it comes down to is how it's a dick. Uh, now, did you get the version of the janitor who? Well, no, I'm just teasing. I did. I did. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, the, limo, the limo driver, the janitor, everybody, even Opie and Anthony, who were uh, rivals. Yes. at the time, they were in it. They were in it because talking about that rivalry also between Opie and Anthony and um, Howard Stern. Yeah. And my wife came to the conclusion that they're all dicks. 
<laughs> I don't think Jackie's a dick. I, you know, no, I, no. I mean, I'm, in, I'm in the, the principles of Howard Stern, Opie, and Anthony. And well, stuttering, stuttering John is like the world's biggest victim. Every day he's on yes. Twitter and painting himself as a victim of Howard and every he still even though he moved on from Howard to go to Jay Leno for a while and then and, and, and he and he made was making like over three hundred thousand dollars a year if you go by the television account. And yeah. you know, as I I I think Howard's a dick, but they, they do all owe Howard uh, some right. gratitude because he pay, they if not for Howard Stern they'd probably be janitors somewhere almost all right. of them <laughs> well and I think yeah. I think that's a large part of why you know as 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 wrong as as wrong as Jackie may have been treated he really does his best to not drag them through the mud because he understands that he understands that he still had a pretty incredible life as a result of being associated with that show. You know Absolutely. what I mean? And Jackie yeah, gets yeah. that, you know, and, and like, like, you know, I don't feel like it's ever his desire to, to drag Howard through the mud. He just wants to be truthful. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Well, we have yeah. our first guest. Is water we're okay? Not. Can I just do water? Is that, a, you can drink whatever you want, but in, in the future, we're going to try to sell sponsorship. <laughs> if he's drinking anything, but mind dog coffee, which you can get at minddogtv.com slash shop. Uh, right. But if you if you're gonna drink something that's branded, and I GD's right, I'm gonna send you a, a Mind Dog coffee cup. You should pour it in a Mind Dog coffee cup, unless we can get some sponsorship for whatever. We don't we want need, pro product. We need placement. prayer towels for the yeah. Sunday service. Uh, I'm gonna play a short uh, commercial before we get to meet uh, first guest this morning. So uh, let, let's do that. Right. Uh, first spot is naked wines. You want to get naked? You want to get wind up? Uh, not, not really. Naked Wines is a, a unique offer where you can actually uh, cut out the middleman and invest in winemakers, save yourself some money, uh, help the business and all that. Here, find out about it this way. Welcome to a better way to buy wine. Nakedwines.com is a customer-funded wine business. We don't just sell wines, we make them happen. Since launching in the UK in 2008, Angels have helped us invest in over 159 independent winemakers in 14 different countries. Turns out, it's better business for everyone. Our winemakers get to sell all of their wines and make a living. We make the same margins as everyone else and have a lot of fun along the way. And as a wine drinker, for the $40 a month you probably would have spent on wine anyway, you'll get wholesale prices. You can be sure that all of our wines have been lovingly made by a talented winemaker and stripped of all the costs that add nothing to the flavor or quality of the juice in the bottle. Support independent winemakers. Get better wine in return. With the support of 300,000 wine drinkers, we fund talented, independent winemakers up front. This way, they get to spend all of their attention on making you the best wine possible. World-class wine, direct from lips, talented, baby. independent I winemakers. Know. I know, making a better smile, deal, right? Up to 60% off market prices. A better way to discover 
tasty new favorites with over 2 million reviews from wine drinkers like you. Become an angel today. Get started by visiting MindDogTV.com and click the banner on the homepage now. Yeah, go to MindDogTV.com. And while you're there, you can, uh, while you're ordering naked wine, uh, you can actually get yourself some Mind Dog coffee too. Now, it could be that uh, Willie had naked wines in that can that he was holding up before. That's probably, it's a, it's probably, it was probably a naked wine. Let's see if we can do something unrehearsed and you guys can follow me. I'll be happy. Go ahead. Are you naked? I was just going just, to say, I don't always get naked when I stream, but when I do, it's because I've been drinking naked wine. Okay. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I'll be Harry Bell- Belafonte, and you guys just be Willie and GD. Dale. Okay. Dale. 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 That's enough. All I needed was a Dale. Tony Dale, Dale, Tony Dale is a stand-up comedian mostly notable for his sharp, quick material and near-perfect comedic timing, almost certainly gained from his years as a professional symphony musician in New York City's Village Voice calls him one of the tightest joke writers in the business. He's here now. Ladies and gentlemen, please open your ears, open your minds, and help us welcome in Tony Dale. To Hello, Tony. <laughs> How are you guys doing? We're doing well. Fabulous. Boy, you look like you got a professional setup there. Are you uh, like uh, a radio guy or a, a podcaster? Uh, I'm none of those things. But as you mentioned, I have a background in music. So I'm a lunatic about audio quality and stuff. And like so that, you but... use that uh, SMB uh, for, for audio, for voice recording? Uh, yeah, just for basically for when I'm doing, uh, uh, when I'm a guest on uh, podcasts and things like that, I'd, I'd like to sound good. Very cool. Well, thank you for getting up early and being with us. I, wa- I want to mention uh, that you are at Sticks and Stones Comedy Club uh, this Friday night. Is it two shows or one show? I believe just one show this Friday. Okay. Uh, at that's in o'clock. Southampton, New York, and we, we appreciate you being here, and we hope people will support that show and come out and see you. Uh, have you been to the club? Do you, do you know the, the club at all? It's kind of new. I do not know the club. Uh, this will be my first time there, but I'm very excited about it. Wow. Uh, it's a nice club. It's um, it's a nice area. It's a nice club. The only thing that uh, I have not been there yet, I've been promoting it since like June. I'm curious as the, the, cause the and as a symphony musician, you're probably familiar with it. It's gradient seating, which is not typical in a comedy club. It's kind of strange. Yeah. Uh, but uh, good for theaters and, you know, uh, uh, lots of theaters that I play in have that. So th- that won't be odd. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, but do you have a preference in, in kind of places that you perform comedy in? You know what? I've uh, I've had great shows and terrible shows in every different type of place you can perform in. So I don't. But I like theaters are uh, kind of nice in that, you know, uh, it's I've. I'm the type of comedian, like I wear a suit on stage. I kind of an old school uh, type of guy. So when people come out to a theater, they feel like it's more of an event. Sometimes, you know, like, and not this comedy club, but some comedy clubs, you know, a late show Friday, people are been drinking a little much. Things get a little rowdy. <laughs> that never happens in a theater. So, oh, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. I wonder if it's going to happen, uh, not this Friday, but uh, ever at, uh, at Sticks and Stones in South I don't Hampton. think so. That's a, it's a classic. It's kind of area. an up, upscale type <laughs> yeah. of venue. Uh, so, yeah. 
I don't think you can. It doesn't that seem right. like the type of place where they're flinging beers at the stage or yeah. anything like they, that. When you say you had bad shows, I saw. I really, I'm reluctant to say this, but I saw a bad show Saturday night, uh, and I don't think anybody. There were five comedians. I don't think any of them had a clue it was a bad show. <laughs> Something you know what's funny when when, uh, when comedians start out and they, they might have been young comedians. Uh, you have to have a certain amount of delusion about how good you are. Yeah. Or otherwise you would quit immediately. Well, that's true. That's so true, man. Was somebody who ranks among the best of all time, in my opinion, which is really (laughs) – people know who I'm talking about. So, Uh, But uh, it it was just really weird to me that they didn't seem to get – because I was at a table. I was there by myself. I was at a table where I didn't hear one robust laugh in two hours. And the tables around me, maybe a giggle, a chuckle here, a chuckle there. But they all felt like they were killing it. And I, I almost, you know, I wanted to go up and say, you know, are you paying attention to the room? But how yeah. do you know? Could, are you aware of that? Because if, oh, if, yeah. if there's enough people with small giggles, yeah. it fills up the sound enough that it, it could make you think that everybody's enjoying the show. No, we, especially any comedian that's been around long enough. You, you know when you're doing well and you know when you're bombing. But yeah. the idea, too, is sometimes you can't let the audience know that you know. Oh, yeah. as right. Soon as, as right. soon as you know that you know you're bombing, then you're dead. Right. <laughs> You're coming out of that one. But, oh. you know, if you uh, if you, you know, put on a smile and pretend like things are going well, maybe you can turn the, the ship around. Right. Now, with in, as I mentioned in the in your intro, uh, tight joke writing. And I'm uh, so sorry about that. It, it, you'll come and go. And we appreciate that the prayers yesterday for technical difficulties <laughs> did not work. Yeah. Um, well, it, I don't think it, it, it's that my Wi-Fi gets weaker as more people in this house wake up and they start <laughs> drawing from my signal. Which yeah. means the prayer would be for them not to wake up, which is a bad thing. No, yeah, no, I don't no. want to pray it's for my family Jamie. not to wake up. That would be a terrible no, thing, no. GD. But, but this is in your control, Willie. If you would drug them, they would sleep a little longer. Okay. I just want to say that Jamie's been playing, praying for his family not to wake up for, for as long as I know him. <laughs> <laughs> so. now, um, Tony, can I ask you a question real quick? Yes, of course. Okay, uh, and it, well, it, in, it, in your it says you do, do tight sets. Okay, tight sets. Now, is this because of kegels? Because young comedians would want to know exactly how to write a tight set. So, is it kegels, or what do you say to young comedians? Who need a tight set? Uh, yeah, it's a, I, it's more of a editing the words. Right. <laughs> not, uh, it's not, not really like squeezing your butt cheeks as you right. No, right. No, it's uh, yeah. We're talking about two different things, I believe. Now, how do you write jokes that don't come out of your ass then? Because uh, young comedians are going to want to know that. That might have been what was happening at the show the other night that he saw. They were just talking out of their heads. Well, you know what? Uh, uh, To be honest with you, there was, uh, speaking of tight, there was no clothes. I'm going to have to eventually start talking about it. But um, (laughs) there was no clothes. The headliner was on, and he started to get weak and sat down for a while, and he's kind of just like, and then he invited the feature out, 
and they're bantering back and forth. And then he said, well, why don't we get the rest of them out here? So two openers and the host out there, and they had no idea they were going to be called out there. Right. And they were just, it, it turned into this on stage. And right. it's like, this does not feel tight. Or And, and the, the openers and the hosts weren't prepared for that. So they were really awkward in the moment. And the, host, yeah. uh, the headliner's trying to ask them questions that will feed into, and they're like, I don't know what to say. I don't. It's not. I don't have prepared material yeah. here. I'm <laughs> lost. You want me you to be like, quick? So do you think that he may be becoming too dependent upon his the, the guy that he works with in that other show he does? What two mics? Something. Yeah, uh, bumping mics. Him and bumping him, mics. Yeah, yeah they he, had bumping mics. Um, because they do. That's a good. I like that tactic, and I think it's really good uh, for social media content and stuff like that. If you got recordings of it, but like Matt is saying, if you don't let people know ahead of time that you're going to draw them up at the end of the night, like you're really putting them in an awkward situation that they're unprepared for, and it's not going to go right. well. It's going to feel right. like a clusterfuck because that's what you did. You put them in a clusterfuck. Tony, are you uh, familiar with the opener that you have uh, on Friday night? Have you? Uh, no, this will be my uh, first time meeting them. Now, you you wouldn't do something like that to a total stranger. Michael Reglio is his, his name. I don't even I don't even know anything about him. But you wouldn't do something like that to him. No, like <laughs> and it's sort it's a little bit out of character for a comedian because we're used to being the only person on stage, and right. you know, right. there's certain situations where. It can go well and people do that well. But yeah, without knowing that's going to happen, that is a weird place to put a. Imagine how the yeah. audience felt. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> right. they weren't planning right. on that either. And me, as an analyst, sort of, I mean, I'm yeah. over analytical about comedy. I'm looking at it because my reason for being there is to study from one of somebody I think is a great comedian. Yeah. And I saw him not doing so great and i'm uh, my attention is in how do you handle this when the show goes south yeah and it is it's interesting right. if you for someone who's seen a lot of comedy and if you love comedy it's interesting to watch a comedian not do well and see if they can pull out of the nosedive that's uh right. even for me yeah. as a comedian yeah. it's fun to see if i can do it you know because right. i've oh had, yeah yeah know, i'll lose the crowd on purpose just to see, see if like, i can get back yeah let's see if i can do it yeah, <laughs> yeah. uh have you uh, had at those moments where uh, is that a, like the most memorable gig, gigs when you you know it's not going well, but then you saved it? Is that are those, those the ones you hold dearest in your those, memory? Yeah, those feel good because you you did like uh, you kind of uh, made more out of it than you normally would. You performed at even a higher level to bring right. a show from. Uh, what it shouldn't be to what it should be. There was yeah. a I, Seinfeld was talking one time about how uh, you can really tell how good a comedian is uh, by where the show starts when they get on stage and where it ends. Right. And he's like, anybody yeah. can go into a hot crowd and keep it going. But can you go in and onto a show that's not doing well and bring it up? Right. So he thought even, you know, if you go into a show and it's like at a three and you bring it up to a six, even though he didn't blow the roof off, he made that show right. better. So to him, that's sure. a win. Yeah. yeah. Sure. And when, yeah. I, when I left Saturday night, my, my feeling was, thank you. 
Thank you for letting me leave. Um, <laughs> I got to know who was on this show. The show was at a three, but the last 20 minutes were at a one or a, a point five, And it, it just felt like, God. And then no they, they let you go and it became a six, right? At, at well, the going, I'll talk. Actually, I'll talk. Just stop telling me. Just stop making me listen. I'll tell you what the secrets you need to know. I, this is because the club is I'm on the club's radio network here this morning and always I mean they're part yeah. of so I'm uh, reluctant to say this because there are two other clubs the experience is great but actually you have to give a pass to get out they oh, won't let right. you out unless you give them the pass that says you paid for your dinner and drinks yeah, and stuff. a lot of clubs will do that I, yeah but the other clubs they own don't do that but I felt like a prisoner like oh this is that way. you were torturing me with the end and now I'm not allowed to leave this is this is that, how it goes yeah um, when we go to a commercial yeah. to find out who was on this show uh, oh yeah no. um, <laughs> I saw Joe List the other day talking about his latest special and he said he wishes he tightened it up more because in times he's talking about he's talking about jokes that didn't land and he made a comments on it mm-hmm. and to me as a, a viewer watching that those are the endearing moments i go back yeah. to carson when carson's monologue when he knew a joke didn't land yeah. and he would emphasize that it didn't land and that yeah. would make it even funnier yeah and, it adds uh, a, a humanity to comedians you know we're not just robots firing off uh, jokes that all work perfectly yeah i i love that especially well, about joe list he's fantastic and uh any comedian i watch when you see the the real personality and the humanity in them right but he was he well, was and, lamenting that he didn't edit that out no the <laughs> joe's great. He, he's always gonna be harder yeah. on himself than yeah. his audiences you got something to now say i have a question also could you just use the term humanity and comedian in the same sentence <laughs> I just want to know how did you do that? Keep a straight face and not have your head explode. I'm I'm jealous. I'm jealous. I can't do that. Comedians are the most normal human people I run across in life. (laughs) I I find everyone else to be weirdos. Tony, no, Tony, you can't just do that without spilling the beans. How the fuck do you do that? (laughs) Yeah. I have a hard time interacting with regular people. Like I'm only right. comfortable around comedians. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh my I'm God. the same way. Oh my God. Like, because in like so in oh, Sioux Falls, where I do a lot of shows, there's there's a pretty good comedy community. And if if there's any comedy event anywhere in the city, there's one bar that all the comedians will flock to. Like right. once the later hours start and yeah. like, that's pretty much the only bar I want to go to because I don't want to right. talk to regular people. No. I want to talk to my comedian friends of course. Yeah. because what? you regular people scare the shit out of me. Well, you, right. have, you have a background also in music, as I mentioned I in, in your uh, intro, but musicians, I, as I can tell you from my experience, 45 or 50 years in, in the game, that uh, they're all insane. They're all insane people. So, th- but it's th- your that- kind of insanity, though, right? That's the type of people you like to be around. All right, I wanted to because th- yeah. that same <laughs> attitude towards want want to be around comedians is it, does it hold with musicians as well? Or oh yeah, yeah, really? Because yeah. I want to kill all my. All, all- <laughs> I want to kill them all. all yeah. the but I was not like I was not in rock bands. I was in symphonies. So right. they're, they're, what was your instrument? I was, what was your instrument? I'm a drummer. Oh, oh my god! Yeah. Um, yeah. Symphony. Or, I mean, what was your my my stepdaughter was a percussionist. 
Oh, nice. And I was uh, actually terrible at uh, playing timpani because that that's a pitch drum, and yeah. I don't really have great pitch, so I have to play like a, <laughs> just a rhythm instrument or something that I'm not in control of the pitch, which Very is cool. why I became you a know, drummer. I worked with Jimmy Johnson uh, years ago in the studio, and uh, he came in, he was a hired mu studio musician, he came and listened to the track and then was tuning his, he was playing congas first, and then he was playing other percussion, but he was tuning the congas to the track. Yeah, that's a, that doesn't happen very often, but yeah, it is, you can tune the drum to match the pitch of the music. Yeah, and Steve Gadd was talking a little bit about that too, yeah. about you know the tunings and knowing what what where the uh, overtones of the drum are going to fly, so that yeah. and you don't think about that basically. No. You, yeah, that's that's a real deep dive. Yeah. <laughs> Drums, and it could it, it could be excruciating in the studio while they're tuning the drum. Uh, yeah, now, in a symphony, like I used to, I also play play gamelan. Um, so have you ever done something like that as part of the symphony? And if so, how, did, how would that work? No, symphony? I was a, just a kind of, uh, it's funny. Uh, I talk about this a little bit, but uh, as a drummer or anyone really, you have to be extremely talented to play in a symphony. But amongst that group of people, somebody's the worst. And <laughs> yeah, that was me. I was, was the worst me. guy there. So they only let me play the triangle and the little. <laughs> oh my God, no. The dumb instruments. That Although, is poor guy. Yeah. That is very true. Yeah. I mean, but uh, sometimes, when this this, I'm sure it doesn't hold true for symphonies, but sometimes in regular rock bands or, or you know, pop music type combos. The worst, the the weakest link in the chain could be the most important person, <laughs> right? Uh, because they they're the guy who gets the gig. They're the guy who who kind of holds stuff together. They are the one who's like, uh, for better or worse, conducting the little pop band or whatever yeah. it is. So, right. it, and I've always been that guy. I mean, the least talented, but most important guy on the gig. Like yeah. the gig. And that happened Saturday night because I had to get a sub for myself <laughs> so I could go to a comedy show. Oh, and man. The, and, the, oh, and then my they God. held hostage. Yeah, and the band is not happy with me. Like, oh, dare you not. Don't ever get a sub again, that kind of stuff. And again, I am the worst and least <laughs> talented person in the band. But That's fine. But, what do you play? What's your instrument? I play guitar in the band, but I'm not a natural guitarist. I was uh, my... I was a bassist for most of my life. I played drums. I play. I would if somebody asked me, I would say I'm a drummer. Yeah. But then I haven't played drums uh, like in a professional situation in 25, 30 years, something like that. So right. Yeah. I'm forced to play guitar in, in the in the band I'm <laughs> in, and I don't like it. But my singer can't work with other guitar players. You're, you're like the wide receiver that got switched to safety. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All of that. Um, you've done oh, switching gears here. You've done a lot of late night stuff, right? Yeah, I, I I got very uh, lucky, and I was able to do some shows that I was really. Uh, I, I'm curious about your because uh, I have an opinion about this. About I mentioned Carson before, and people yes. hold Carson in this reverence that he was the greatest of all time. Yeah, I I disagree with that. I did think that until. Craig Ferguson came along. I think. Craig oh Ferguson my God, I love the, Craig Ferguson. Yeah, I think he's the best there ever was. Uh, just, yeah. uh, do you disagree with that opinion in any way? Or, 
Well, I uh, I do hold Carson in a very uh, high regard in that that's the first place I ever saw stand up comedy is when I was a kid. I was watching Johnny Carson and I got to see comedians on there and uh, I loved the way he did it. And it's hard to it's almost like you, you trying to compare uh, baseball players from, you know, right. Different <laughs> years, the yeah. 20s Different to now, eras, yeah. you know, it's and, you know, you can't compare Tiger Woods to uh uh, Hogan, you know, the different times, yeah. different equipment. They had to do different things. But yeah, I loved uh, Carson. Wow. Well, yeah. And I, lo I loved Craig Ferguson, too. And he was very yeah. kind to me. And uh, Craig was on later, too. You know, yeah. he was he was on the later hour, which yep. they gave more allowances to for what you couldn't couldn't say even. Yeah. Yep. You know, so he was more free to comedically do and be what he wanted. Right. You know, but the thing that I think was great about Craig Ferguson is he really allowed his guests to be unguarded because yeah. like he like he made a comfortable environment for people to be able to just let it fly. Yeah, you know, I, that's why I think he was the greatest of all time, because yeah. I see him and he is not like. Carson was very regimented. I, we're going to get this guy out here. He's going to do his eight minutes. Sometimes, <laughs> yeah. if he's really good, he'll come over to the couch and right. we'll ask him about his gigs and all. But it was very structured. And it felt a little tight. Yeah. Looking back now, in the time, it was magical. I mean, right. when I was yeah. a kid, get to stay up late to watch Johnny Carson was the privilege of my childhood. You know, yeah. I was that. Was <laughs> okay, I'm gonna give everybody a heads up because I've never seen Craig Ferguson. I have nothing to contribute. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to Google him and then edit my face in later on talking about Craig Ferguson because I have no idea what the fuck you're talking really? about. Really? Dude, he's, he's fabulous. No, I don't. I, I'm, I do not know. I know the name because wow. people yeah. used to call me Ferguson when I was a kid. And so whenever I see the name Ferguson, I want to see if anybody fucked up and calls him Fenderson. But, wow. You know, but other know. than that, I have no idea. I don't know what he looks like. I don't know his race. Oh, he's I'm Scottish. assuming he's a male. I'm assuming he's white because it's late night television. But other than that, <laughs> I can, I can I, tell I, you that's fair. That's what, fair. Well, that's fair. to be fair, there was, uh, uh, I can't even think of his Arsenio, name. Arsenio Hall. Arsenio Hall. Yeah, that was right after Reformation. Chelsea Hammer had her own show on E. Yeah. yeah, right after Reconstruction, Arsenio had his show. Go ahead. After Reconstruction, get well, out of here. <laughs> uh, but Craig is a Scottish guy who uh, he started out uh, as Bing Hitler. That's what you need to know about that. that I did his, not know that. I did that, not know that. That was his, he was in a punk band. He was a drummer. He was a, a drummer in a punk band, and then he his first endeavor into stand up was as Bing Hitler in the UK. He was doing wow, Bing Crosby. Wow. Hitler. Yeah, in his intro, he used to he used to be playing drums. Right. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yep. I remember right. that. Uh, remember so, the robot Jeff? Oh my yeah. god! Yeah. See, yeah. oh my man, I missed Innov that joke. Innovative stuff, but that was also like a, a kind of a throwback to Soupy Sales. If you're old enough to remember, just Soupy Sales had a lot of that kind of shtick going on. Yeah, yeah he was uh, good. I know him. Yeah. Let's talk about him. No, Boy, no let's, talk, sales. let's talk about Tony. <laughs> let's talk about Tony and his gig at uh, Six and Stones yeah, comedy Six and coming Stones, up Friday night. Uh, at Friday seven. night uh, for one show. Uh, let me just one check show. that. I, I want to see what time it is here. Uh, I'm well, pretty sure. I know more about Tony Dale no, no. than I do about Craig Ferguson, and I just met Tony Dale <laughs> like 
what uh, five ten minutes ago listen yeah. i i appreciate being culturally unhip nobody is more culturally <laughs> unhip than me but you you just one up me with not knowing Craig. yeah that's Ferguson. a good one so the show is 7 p.m uh yeah. uh this friday uh tony uh, at sticks and stones uh comedy mm-hmm. club you can get tickets now at sticks and stones comedy club.com uh uh, so, Tony, t- uh, tell us a little bit about your uh, transition from music to comedy. Was that was that in uh, like was that a plan? No, it wasn't a plan. I was um, I was a musician. I was playing in a symphony. I was also teaching band uh, in Texas uh, at the time, and I had always loved stand up. But um, I was getting to that point in my life. I knew if I didn't try it. Uh, it was going to pass me by and I would regret, you know, later on in my life. I wish I would have, you know, given that a shot. But uh, I was teaching in Austin. I happened to drive by the comedy club one day. They were teaching classes on stand-up comedy. I was like, all right, this is it. I'll give it a shot. If I'm terrible at it, I did it. And then I won't look back and regret it. And I, right. Uh, like we were talking about earlier with the delusion about having to believe that you're better than you are. Yeah. <clears throat> I uh, I had an okay first show. I got some laughs. I was still terrible, but people laughed, and it was just enough for me to uh, come back. <laughs> oh, I want to try this again. I want to try this again. And yeah. I, you know, I kept doing it, and if you do anything long enough, uh, you're bound to get better at it. You and... think that. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah. Not every... <laughs> I think. I mean, that's mostly true. There's mostly rare occasions true. where right. that's not true. Right. But most yeah. of the time, it's true. It's a rule with lots of exceptions. I would say. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's I some know, outliers. I, I, first of all, I do a lot of interviews with people who are in the game a year to three years, maybe five years, and almost to almost exclusively, they all say they killed their first time out. And I know <laughs> that that's in your head. You yeah. didn't care. Yeah. Very few you know people what? Act. Those people and and I have this myself. I have a video of my first time on stage. And I'm telling oh, man. you, I can't get through one minute of it. No. I have to turn no. it off. It is brutal to watch. And I, I would have told you that night that I did well. What? Now, I, I have a friend of mine named Sandy Bernstein, and I interviewed her a while ago, and we looked at her first set as part of the interview. Right. And her first interview, her first set was 15, 13 minutes long. Wow. And she fucking killed. She fucking killed. And the <laughs> yeah. problem was, she expected everything after that to be like that. Always, yeah. And, yes. and so she yes. went from killing and expecting to kill every time to like, oh shit. Yeah. I have a yeah. name for that. It's called the Dreyfus Syndrome. Richard Dreyfus, he got uh, an Academy Award, his very first film, The Apprentices of, uh, Apprenticeship of Duty Kravitz. And he he says, as he was, they were calling his name, he was walking up to get the award. He said, too soon, too soon, too soon. And then he expected every, every uh, Oscar for every film he did. And, of course, that did not come true. And it yeah. was a right. major disappointment to him. So, At yeah. least he knew it was too soon, though. And he wasn't walking up going, well, this, this is yeah, easy. Me. <laughs> yeah. Sandy had no idea it was too soon. She just thought that that was going to be like that. It's yeah. like. This is great. I'm going straight to the moon. Yeah. Like, Dude. This is great. I just fucking cratered. <laughs> you guys, you guys have really, really opened up something for me. Cause uh you guys know, like Matt, I know knows 
So I won a contest my first time on stage, which actually got me a regular paying gig for the next six months. Wow. Worst thing that could have fucking happened to me. <laughs> Worst fucking thing possible. Because A, I was there was no way that I was ready. But I mean, it was good also because it made me work super fucking hard in the beginning. Like I wrote all the time because I because I was a regular at the club, I wanted to, and I knew that we had people that came to the club every week because right. on Wednesdays there was t-shirt night. And if you wore your t-shirt, you got in for free <laughs> because they ran Wednesday, Thursday, two shows on Friday, two shows on Saturday. Yeah. And so like, I knew that I had to have new material every time I performed because we have regulars. We have people what that are always that? at this club and I'm not going to give these people the same fucking five minutes every time I'm not <laughs> doing it. Well, you know, yeah, what was the name of that club that you worked at? It was it was Nitwits Comedy Club. Oh, I uh, it's uh, kaput now, but I, I worked Nitwits. Did you? Yeah. Okay, so the base the basement of the brewery, were or were you on the east side of town in Sioux Falls? In because Sioux Falls. they moved. Yeah, when they when they first when they first moved to uh, when they first started in Sioux Falls, they took over the Funny Bone location. Yep. Um, and that was in the basement of the brewery, but then. They moved to the east side of town to like some strip mall. So were you in the basement or the strip mall? I was not in the basement. And it was funny. Okay. This was this was the first time I ever headlined in my life and I wasn't supposed to. But the actual headliner got snowed uh, out of his flight. And right before the show, they're like, hey, Tony, I hope you have some extra time. Wow. That's how I got my first headlining gig. I really? was the, the feature. Yeah, and the headliner didn't show, and they go, "Who can do thirty minutes?" And I was yeah. like, "I've been preparing for thirty minutes my entire yeah. two-year comedic career." Yeah. Now, I got a question: When that happens to you, do you get the headliner's pay? No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Ah, uh, that's funny. not either. I, I, I did was, not either. <laughs> I, I was thinking about that Saturday night as the headliner brought up all these extra people. I'm saying they're still getting their hundred and fifty, a hundred twenty-five right. dollars, whatever they bargained for that night. Yeah, and he's still getting the ten thousand dollar, even though he spent his last twenty minutes relying on them to to close the show. <laughs> yeah. So, um, before you you talked about how hard it was to look at your first set do you yes. look at your sets now because a lot of people for writing and joe list was talking about this the other day which is why it's still fresh in my mind is that he can't watch himself but he will listen to himself yep. to, for writing purposes do you do yeah. that yeah i do uh not as much as i should and guys like joe and gary goldman will listen to every single set and gary writes every set down every day <laughs> Which is, I, wow. I, I I wish I had that kind of time in my life. I don't know where. He even if it's done. a set he's done before, he's still every writing, go joke back and... that he has done even before he writes it all back down because there's going to be something he said differently that got a laugh, and he wants to make sure every single uh, little variable that changes that he knows what it is. I appreciate right. I mean, that watch, change. Man, I watch everything. I watch every set I do, and then I compare it to what. Because I have a script for the most part, and then I yeah. compare what I did to what I planned on doing right. to right. see what the differences were. If it was, yeah. yeah. And also, there's certain tells I have when I'm flabbergasted. If I forget a line, I have certain tells. So I wanted to get rid of those tells because right. sure. other people couldn't tell yeah. that I was <laughs> fucking up. 
So yeah, that's I next developed, level. That's good. I, I develop I develop new habits to over <laughs> override my bad habits. You know, so that no matter so that I would do this all the time. Because uh-huh. you couldn't tell if I was thinking or if I'm just a dramatic pause. Yeah. Or if there's a fly on your head. Right. Um, right. Yeah, I think I appreciate that dedication, but I think there's a danger in overanalyzing. Uh, you're overanalyzing because what worked for that crowd might have been exclusive to that crowd. You're right. Not in that yeah. true. tomorrow night. Very true. You know? Yeah. Well, my- to be honest, I write for, when I write my material, I don't write for, I write for an imaginary crowd. Mm-hmm. I have an imaginary crowd of mixed people in my head, you know, made up of people that I know the kind of stuff that like they like and that makes them laugh. Hello, Sanitarian. So when I write stuff, I'll go like, oh, this will come make and get him so now. funny. Yeah, come <laughs> and get him now. I, I'm sorry. That is a, a psychological problem. We don't have a doctor on staff today. Hey, but... I do the same thing, GD. I do. I when I when I'm writing material, yeah, both of them. Like, both yeah, of them. I definitely have a crowd in my head. Like, and and listen, I know based on the joke that I write, I'm I know because listen, when you're when you're talking about comedy and especially a longer set, if I don't anticipate time you for laughter, okay, not just length, girth matters as well. Okay. This is true. I'm Irish, okay. so I know. Um, but anyway, <laughs> so, but it it definitely, I definitely think that you, if you don't judge what kind of laugh your joke is going to get, it's going to, you're going to be off on your timing All because right. it, there's a time difference between is this joke going to get a little chuckle and I move on? Or am I going to get a hearty laugh that I got to wait three <laughs> to five seconds for the crowd to shut up before I can start talking again? Right. You, you know, know what, what I mean? I, you know, my take on that is as bad as Zoom comedy was during COVID, a bad. lot of people learned that lesson very because <laughs> they would run through their jokes because the audience wasn't there to laugh. And then that that taught them something and as, as far as, you know, timing and waiting for that. What I'm noticing a lot is... Uh, Nate Bergetzi, he pronounces it Bergetzi. Everybody else pronounces it Bergazzi. I just right. found that out. But uh, and noticing a lot of comedians like him, they'll you'll they'll give you a, a, an indication of where to laugh by going ah. Uh, right. That end the sentence with uh, and I'm I'm noticing that more and more now. It's like so many comedians will. I've do noticed that. that a lot more today uh, too. And I, I didn't know if it was me just suddenly uh catching up to it but yes yeah i think you know what i mean tony i have a question that i I ask this to everybody who i meet who is actually a real comedian all right not the ones who have to put the word comedian in their name (laughs) oh real comedians okay i'm just sorry that's just my personal tony yes in your whose laugh means the most to you like in your personal life when you can make them laugh Uh, you know my son like ah your son son? that's awesome yeah he just turned 10 Oh, that's wow. yeah, that's hard too. That's, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. He's a much tougher crowd. <laughs> uh, he's going to keep getting tougher too as he becomes yeah, a teenager, for sure. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a that's a good point. Uh, you know that that's a, a tough thing to connect with younger audiences and keep, especially as they hit around that twenty year mark. Uh, that's that's you know a whole different crowd to relate to. Yeah, uh, now, do you have to do, do fart jokes? 
What's you have that? to do fart jokes for him, or can you do your regular set for him? <laughs> you know what? <laughs> he actually likes, he'll sit and read through my notes of jokes that I'm writing. So he's really into like uh, the wording and the process. And uh, he's a pretty funny little kid. He's uh, um, he's funnier than he should be for 10 years old. Oh, well, you're, right. getting really got better understanding. you're getting really dangerously close to stealing his material, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to talk to you about because the other night I noticed, and I'm not one to notice this a lot, that too too much percentage of crowd work uh, in in every five comedians, every yeah. single one of them put a large percentage of crowd work. And I just mentioned Colin a second ago. I can't remember George Colin ever doing a second of crowd work. Uh, yeah, I think channels. about if we go back to classic comedians like that. It, at least for television, you never saw that. But no. even if I went to see them live, I can't remember too many of them doing, like, relying on crowd work. Yeah. Do you do a, a lot of that? No, I do none of it. Like, I, you know, if something happens that you have to address, right? that's fine. But I go up with a plan of telling the jokes that I wrote because those are the things that I'm the most proud of. I spent time working on it. And this is what's funny from my perspective. I don't care what shirt you wore tonight. I don't care what your job is. <laughs> it doesn't right. matter. And nobody else in here cares either. They're not going to remember those jokes. Right. But uh, what has made this happen is social media and this idea that we have to put up new stuff every single week. And people just decided, well, crowd works super easy and it works great in the moment, but I don't think it works that great on Instagram reels. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah but see, for... I do crowd control. I don't do crowd work. <laughs> well, crowd <laughs> yeah. control, this is where I was going to go yeah. with this. Thank you for, for uh, prefacing it. Um, I got the script. I know what you're going to do. I got the script. I stick to the script. <laughs> There's the other... a script? <laughs> yeah. Didn't the, other night, script. the other night, there was a guy like 10 feet in front of me. And he was yelling at the stage the whole time and doing this, pointing at himself, like, pay attention to me, pay attention right. to me. And the guy's doing his best to just kind of you know, try to dismiss it. Then the guy got up, walked around, walked dead center aisle and started walking towards the stage. I'm like, this is going to be trouble. Wow. He stopped like 10 feet from the stage and he's taking selfies of himself like he's on stage with the headliner and like trying to interact with him and trying to steal the mm -hmm. show. The guy did nothing to combat that have you ever had to deal with like a, a situation that was just crowd control like no this guy's out of hand i don't i mean when i was one. younger it happened every once in a while but i'm also i'm the type of comedian that if you're coming to see me you're not that type of person i don't have those rambunctious I'm, I'm not like a lion crowd. tamer type of comedian you don't come out and go ah this is gonna be a huge <laughs> that's absolutely true because uh, I, I guess i have to know it was david tell who was headlining the other night gotcha. and he definitely attracts that kind of you know dangerous people yeah yeah <laughs> And Dave, like my wife. Dave's an amazing, like he's one of the greatest joke writers of all time. But I think maybe that show he had, uh, what was the old Comedy Central show? Insomniac. 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 Yeah. yeah. Then he got a fan base from that. And they're like, ah, he's a partier, which he, I don't think he does anymore. But no, I, he that, doesn't. No, that, he uh, does just look like old them. people's medicines. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was drinking coffee on stage, 7-Eleven coffee. Yeah, yeah. Not mind dog coffee. Uh, <sighs> yeah. 
Somebody's dog. <laughs> Somebody bring this. Willie, do you have yeah, gas again? Anyway, no, I can promise you my that won't dog happen. Is that won't happen uh, fr- uh, Friday night at uh, Southampton. It will not at all. <laughs> That crowd is not, def- whether your crowd or not, is not that kind of, pe- those kind of people are not going to be at your show. So no. uh, I appreciate you getting up. One more time, we want to pr- uh, promo uh, Sticks and Stones, uh, Friday night, 7 p.m. Do- uh, doors open at 6 p.m. Uh, the uh, o- o- feature act is Michael Reglio. I, d- I don't know anything about him, but I'm sure he's, he's very funny. Sure, he's fantastic. Yeah, thank you for getting up, man, and and being part of this. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me. Great meeting you. Nice meeting you guys. Hey, by the way, William, uh, I looked it up real quick. Two thousand eight is when I was at Netwits. Were you there? Okay. No, I was in prison. (laughs) (laughs) Because he was a nitwit. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I was living up to the name. Ah, fond memories. The Uh, days gone by. Yeah, well, hopefully, would you come back sometime? I would appreciate it if you do come back sometime. Cause we, you I would know, love to. All right, appreciate it. Thank you for being here. TonyDeo.com. All right, guys, ready? Deo. Bye, Deo. <laughs> all right. He's a good guy, man. Uh, I like that. I like him, and I like his attitude, and uh, I hope people will go see him. I think I'm going to be there. I'm not guaranteeing it yet, but I think I'm going to be there. Hopefully, if I go by myself, I won't be recognized like the other night because I was taking some abuse for the mustache the other night, which you can understand. <laughs> uh, a creative live is where you're going to learn about uh, you can enhance whatever creative skills you have, whether it's photography, filmmaking, uh, art, or comedy. Even there are two thousand courses you can take. There's a seventy percent discount for just you, you, not you, yeah. I, you couldn't wait till I went to commercial to drink that pink can. Um, <laughs> there's a 70% discount for Coffee with the Dog listeners at creativelive.com. Here, learn about it this way. It's time to unleash your creative excellence. Dreams won't work if you don't. They never happen overnight, and they rarely follow a straight line. Excellence is a result of the hustle consistently pushing to do better and success looks different for everyone creativelive.com charts paths and tailors content for students but they also encourage independent thinking and exploration go outside of your comfort zone who knows you might actually like it right now you can get up to 70% off through this exclusive offer for coffee with the dog CreativeLive.com has site-wide sale for Coffee with the Dog listeners. Save up to 70% off. Go to MindDogTV.com and click on the link on the homepage now. Page link. I'm in. Why are we screen at black? All right. Thank you very much. The guy's in the control room, man. We got to fire them all. I just want to remind people. What the? Text. 7 p.m. this Thursday, <laughs> October 19th, Jackie the Joke Man, Martling, and Peter Bales, Bayman's Heritage Memorial Fundraiser, Crescent Beach Club, 333 Bayville Avenue, Bayville, New York. Tickets info at jokeland.com. Uh, I'm going to be doing that all week until Thursday anyway. Got a busy week for you, uh, for me uh, this week. So tomorrow uh, I'm going to uh, Brokerage, which is part of Gov's. 
uh, for stand up uh, uni- stand up universities uh, graduation ceremony. Going to meet with Peter Bales and Rich Walker and talk about me taking their course for the next semester. Uh, and and being part of that. Then Wednesday afternoon, and I have a uh, a show tomorrow. I can't forget for the vets tomorrow. A special uh, the Marine Corps uh, vet show tomorrow afternoon. Then Wednesday, I have a uh, getting interviewed by two stations in New York for my congressional run. Then uh, yeah. Friday Friday night, I want to go see Tony. Uh, and, uh, so it's a busy week and then we have guests all, all double guests all week long. So it should be an interesting one today. I will be on big bad broadcast after this show is all, all done with John Farentino, uh, Craig Mitchell and Mike grief. So busy, busy week for me. Nice. Um, yeah. Uh, Matt, can I show you something real quick? Show me something real quick. Yeah. It's not dirty. You don't have to avert your eyes. Uh, a while ago, we were discussing the my use of um, green screen, right, and my inability to actually do it effectively, right, um, from critical joke theory, and we and we talked about me getting a a real because I don't like using green screen, right. So I went out and it came today. This is my background. I don't know if I can. Yeah, let me. Uh... Oh, that's beautiful. That's, yeah, that's beautiful. It, it arrived while we were on the air. That's where I went to. I went to the my door to get the um to pick this up. Now I have a because uh, it's got the holes on top. I I boarded something for our band that basically has that, but it comes with a stand. You know the whole stand. Did you get the whole stand and everything with it? I didn't get the whole stand because I have this from um, when my sister used to have dialysis. Oh and yeah, and it and I, and I've modified it so that I can hang like like when the Reverend does his thing in, in my office because he doesn't have an office. His picture is hanging from this. His lion picture is hanging from this. Oh, that's nice. And yeah, I was I was it, just gonna say maybe you, you need to get a few more uh, relatives on dialysis and then you'll be able to like have two poles holding it. I don't know. That, I if I have too many poles, my wife is going to want to dance. Ah. <laughs> it, I, so, yeah, I have that same me, issue. Let, I have that same issue. Uh, I know uh, this is tricky for me because I don't. I do want to talk about the the Atel show the other night. It was a major disappointment, but I have no regrets for going to see it. But David Tell's been a hero of mine. I've seen him live before, and he killed. He killed, but. When I went to see him Saturday night, I came away with being reminded of when Willie Mays got traded to the Mets in his last two years, uh, and he was a shadow of his former self. And a very sad, like, melancholy moment of, like, baseball players, Michael Jordan, I mean, all these people, uh, Larry Holmes, you talk about athletes who don't know when to get out of the game. When you're on top, you can walk away. But I don't think it's an option for comedians unless you've invested, right? You can't just walk away at the top of your game. You have to hang on until you die, right? I, I mean, financially, unless you've, you've set yourself up, if you're a, a road dog and you're going gig to gig, no matter how good the money is, you're spending it as fast as it comes in, you basically don't have the option of, 
walking away on a high note. Your thoughts? Well, I'm going to try to do this without leaking privileged information. But my understanding is Dave, Ch Dave Chappelle um, would really like to not be at the – he's uncomfortable having, you know, like somebody else – he, I, he's a little bit full of himself, but he thinks that he's like, can't, he should be knocked off. Gosh, damn it. He wants to call himself the goat too much. Definitely. He, he, be yeah. he believes he's the greatest of all time. He yes. was, I think he was great 15 years ago. I don't think if I see a Dave Chappelle show now, I will get three or four hard laughs out of it where 15 years ago, you would be belly laughing the whole time. And so I don't think he walked away. At the height. Well, I was I thinking think he when did. he did his show, though, when he was doing his show, he walked away. Right. Or I mean, but I he got, had to I come think... back. He had to come back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's like Michael Jordan. He retired. That's what I'm saying. He did the Jordan. He did yeah. the Jordan. Right. And then he had to come and back. Ali. Listen, I I know people who have quit show business altogether, and I I admire the that they could do that. I tried four or five times and that I was never at the top of my game, but I tried quitting and couldn't do it. I just am addicted to the attention, the dopamine rush of being on stage, the false belief that people love you, all that kind of stuff. You I get. mean, yeah, the last time I was in therapy, my therapist told me that they thought it was the worst idea in the world for me to stop because, because I mean, honestly, what I do up there is part of what saves me. You right. know what I mean? No matter how successful or whatever I might be, the act of engaging in it is what saves my life. It's the because best drug it makes me that want you've to continue. Ever, it's the best drug that you've ever uh, gotten yourself. Uh, for sure. <laughs> but I'm hooked on it for sure. I'm definitely hooked on it. That's Absolutely. the problem. <laughs> no, me, me too. I admit it because I did try to quit. In my like late 20s, I tried to quit. It lasted only six months. And I couldn't stand it. Then in my uh, late mid mid to late thirties, I tried again, and that lasted maybe two years, and got back into it. And then I've been at it ever since. With this band, I I when I got away in two thousand nine to try to do my own thing, uh, but went back to this band pretty quickly. I mean, a year and a half out, and back with this band. So uh, I. I don't know. I can't. I think I'm going to die on stage. I think I'm going to die on stage. But it was sad for me because I've held a tell in such high regard. I called him the goat before I went to see the show that night because I really I felt like he was that good. After the show, first of all, he looks old. He looks like Gandalf. He's 10 years younger than me <laughs> and he looks 20 years older than me. He, he, David Tell is my wife's favorite comedian. And then, then it's me. It's David That's, Tell and then that me. That fucking sucks. I, I, well, I, I admire you because my wife, she, she doesn't like me. <laughs> as yeah. far as, um, um, you know, the, the band and stuff. I, she's not a fan of the band at all. Oh, and and David Tell, we saw him like maybe four years ago. And because of David Tell, I got to open for Craig Gass. Craig Glass? Gass? I always have trouble with his last name. I have to read it. I think it's Craig Glass. He does the voices. He did voices for um, American Dad. Uh, uh, and he was like Howard Stern show guy. He, he was famous for like his Gene Simmons impersonation on Howard Stern or something. But yeah, uh, yes. But he he was good then. But I saw flaws 
in my opinion, I saw what I thought were flaws in his material. Because his go-to was uh, name a drink and he'd have a, a joke for it. You know, so he's like, um, so what are you drinking, sir? He's like, I'm drinking a Bloody Mary. And then he has like a Bloody Mary joke. Like, what are you drinking, sir? Gin and tonic. And he has a gin and tonic joke. Wow. And that's, we saw him like a few times and he did that like almost every time. I ordered a gin and tonic once and my son was there and he said, that's an old woman's drink. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's really uh, emasculating when your son is telling you you're you're an old woman. Uh, but uh, so here the here the, the, was the lineup the other night. A tell obviously James Mattern. Yeah, you know James Mattern. No, uh, never heard of him. He, he's done Skankfest. He's been around. He's a road dog. You're asking the wrong person. Ask Willie because I can I can tell you I've never heard of them before you even ask. But ask Willie. <laughs> he's heard of them. Joe Caravola, Olga uh, Namer, and Laura Patton. Olga uh, Namer was was really good. I have to say that she was uh, one of the openers. Uh, she's an anorexic Orthodox Jew. Now she was very. <laughs> Is there any other kind? Huh? <laughs> she was very. She was very good, but I can't see her uh, material working outside of New York metro area. Uh, I don't see like Texas or Oklahoma. Uh, right, relating to an anorexic uh, Orthodox Jew, and a lot of her material is about that kind of stuff. So, right, uh, it's it, you know, I, I I was thinking about that too. I mean, how do you how do you take something like that and make it palatable for everybody across all you know a big old world right. out there instead of your own little regional? Not like you can't make a I, living. I'm thinking, how can you be an Orthodox Jew comedian and have like gigs on a Sabbath? And that's like payday. You know, those are your main nights. Is what is like doing the Sabbath. I guess you're right. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, that's because I, I'm I'm nine percent Jewish, so I have to well, consider she, these things. She she was raised Orthodox Jew. She didn't say like she's still like right. Oh, okay, so yeah. right. not necessarily practicing. Yeah. I can't believe you don't know Craig Ferguson, man. Well, I'm not a practicing black, so it's okay. I, I, I <laughs> how do you practice? I was going to say, what does that even mean, bro? We're going we're gonna to need you to define that some. It takes, <laughs> it takes practice. Listen, I know a lot of people who are practicing blacks, <laughs> but they're not black. They're, they're white people. Practicing. Yeah, Rachel Dolezal, one of the best. She, she okay. is my go-to black person. <laughs> she, her... Her lifestyle was way blacker than I ever achieved as a as a as a African American. I had to stop calling myself black because when I stood next to her, I was I realized I was merely an African American. Okay, I actually was not black. <laughs> so so I have to mention this. So I was uh, I was watching Kill Tony, and one of my favorites is this new guy Cam Patterson. This guy yeah. is phenomenally fucking funny. Um, but he was he was telling the story. Um, I think on this last week's episode about how he ran into this white couple and um and the dude was like, Hey man, my girl, she sucks real good dick. And he was like, and Cam was thrown off by it, like, whoa, you know, like, oh, okay, that's cool. You know, and then his girlfriend was like, No, really, I do. And then like the the dude's girlfriend sucked off Cam Patterson, right? 
and I can't remember the dude's name, but there was another black guy that was on the panel for Kill Tony, and he immediately got up from his chair and just went over to Cam and just yeah, 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 you know, like, 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 just super proud of each other for getting a white dude to let his girlfriend suck his dick. Like that was like a huge black power moment between the two. It was, it was, it was a fairly odd but entertaining exchange i must say you if you're just tuning in you're listening to penthouse forum with uh willie uh <laughs> our next guest is here i you know what before we get to meet him i should play one more sponsorship piece uh we're yeah. gonna daily high club is proud to sponsor coffee with the dog daily high club is not uh a weed dispensary no 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 it's where you get all your uh accessories and yeah and tools apparatus you high every day let's check out daily high club with humble east coast beginnings in 2015 daily high club is the premier destination for glass water pipes vaporizers and consumption accessories if you're looking to elevate your smoking game to the next level you're in the right place with over 1 million top quality smoking products sold, and with a growing base of over 10,000 monthly subscribers worldwide, we deliver the ultimate smoking experience. But Daily High Club is not just another retailer. We're lovers of the smoking scene ourselves, working with giants like Tommy Chong, Snoop Dogg, Chanel West Coast, and more. Ready to join the Daily High Club? Let our experts curate your collection with our awesome El Primo monthly subscription box or grab one of our fun and unique pieces from our smoke shop. Get started today. Visit MindDogTV.com and click on the banner on the homepage. Daily High Club. Uh, you get your box. What's in the box every month? You get a box of cool stuff, papers, bongs, all sorts of accessories like that. Uh, Keith Chase is a comedian based in New York City, not too far from here. Uh, <laughs> Why? Why is it doing that? Why does it do it every time? I don't know. Uh, since 2018, he has appeared on HBO's Game Theory and Bomani Jones. I don't know what that. Bomani Jones. Uh, Bomani Jones. I know him. That's a black guy. He's, he's not and a comedian, though. Uh, was featured. <laughs> you know, you Are know, you not hearing the ad again? No. The ad is playing in my headphones. Or it, it was. It was not, a second. Yeah. Not for anybody else. Just you. Uh, and we're, we're gonna. What we're, the getting hell? You, we're getting you a doctor. Don't worry. <laughs> it will. It will be taken care of. Uh, I'm going to start over again because of our psychotic. Uh, I'm so sorry. Keith Chase is a comedian based in New York City. Since 2018, he has appeared on HBO's Game Theory with Bomani Jones and was featured in the 20, uh, 2022 Six City, Portland, Maine, and Finger Lake Comedy Festivals. He's here now. And he seems to be outdoors. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I, uh, I kind of fucked up with the... Um... I kind of fucked up with my scheduling. I didn't realize. I basically I don't. I can't be in my apartment right now, so I decided. To you got evicted. Sort of. <laughs> uh, <laughs> nah. Uh, my girlfriend just has to do a job interview, so I didn't realize. So I had to, with another guy. I to, I, yeah. 
That's what you know what? I, I probably should have looked into this show a little more because I had no idea what I was getting into. I joined the waiting room and all of a sudden you're talking about like some dude sucking some like sorry, some dude letting his girlfriend suck some other guy's dick. That's not yeah. a, that's just another day with talking to Willie. That's, that's, not, not, yeah. that's not part of the show's format. He needs God. a psychiatrist desperately. Listen, I was talking about what happened on Kill Tony. It's like not even my experience. Oh my God, dude. Yeah, no, I'm doing good. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, I just did a weekend uh, hosting in Yonkers, so that was a good time. Uh, nice. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Yeah, uh, New York City now. Uh, are you one of these guys who can do like eight shows in a night, going around from club to club, grab a few minutes, open, um, uh, open mic any place in the club and hustle like that? Or are you just waiting for opportunities and take them where you can focus on it's one kind show? Of, it's, it's kind of 50-50. I mean, you know, if I can book that many shows in a night, I'd gladly take it. I think it's just a matter of like uh, of what's available because – it's like some days, it's like, honestly, it's day to day. Like some days you wake up with nothing. And then by the afternoon, you have like three, four spots. Some days you wake up with three, four spots and that gets whittled down to one. So it's just right. kind of just going along the grind, trying to get up as much as I possibly can. Right. Everybody wants to go. Well, I shouldn't say everybody. A lot of comedians want to go to New York City. That's the place they're going to make it. If you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. Uh, so why not go anywhere? But they find out <laughs> go, pretty go, quick. Go, Go somewhere with less comics. That's, that's yeah, that's yeah. that's where I was going. They find out pretty quickly that there are uh, probably one comedian to uh, e each person, like one non-comedian <laughs> ratio. Oh my God, dude. It's, it's, yeah, but, it's, <laughs> I mean, listen, I, if I could be friends with them all, I would. But it's there's dude, there's like so many of us. Like there's right. people that just. It's like I'll like I meet somebody new every single week, and I'll find out they've been doing comedy in the city since like 2014. And I'm like, I, it's like when like I've been in here since 2018, went through the whole pandemic. I've never seen you before, and so that's just kind of how it is. Right? Are you in uh, Manhattan? Yes. Because there is a uh, I don't know how to explain it. I I guess the best way to explain it is a community of comedians in Queens, in, especially in the story of Queens, that reminds me of the music scene of the 60s of, the Greenwich, of Greenwich Village, like uh, an intense population of comedians in the story of Queens. And there's a lot of little clubs. And the clubs in Queens and Brooklyn are very different experiences than, than the Manhattan scene. Have you done any of those? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Um, you know, I think, you know, you talk about a story. I've done QED. I did that. I've done it once. Uh, that was earlier this year. That's a great little venue, by the way. It's owned by uh, Christian Finnegan and his wife. Um, yeah, they definitely have their own thing going on over there. It's um, it's kind of like this quirky little like venue. They don't really. It's like the room is just separated by a curtain from the bar. It's not like they have a door. Right. Uh, tiny cupboard. Yeah, I mean, also with also with Brooklyn, it's a lot more independent shows, independent venues, bar shows, restaurants, that kind of thing. They do have a couple of clubs in Brooklyn, but it's as far as the scene goes, there's definitely more of a mainstream feel in Manhattan than um, than the outer boroughs. For Absolutely, sure. right. the Brooklyn thing. Like I go to it, it bars, but then they hustle you into like basement areas where a little there's like a little makeshift comedy club type of thing right. in the basement. It feels to me whenever I go through that experience like uh, like Jews in Auschwitz, like they're they're hustling you into a <laughs> a concert. You know, it's, it's like wait a minute, I'm being 
put into this little room I don't here. Think, I don't think the Jews in Auschwitz were forced to have a two-drink minimum wherever uh, they, they were going. Yeah. <laughs> If it was, it wasn't. It was poison. And they got to, you know, if, if you go to a comedy club, you get to leave. I don't know if you know well, what was this, going on this, in Auschwitz. Uh, my, yeah, well, I didn't feel like I was going to be able to leave if I wanted to. That's how it's very cramped like that. And I get that. The other night I had an experience where, and somebody just told me that that's common uh, in some of the clubs, is that you have to give them a pass to get out. I had to do that Saturday night. I could not leave without my pass. And I yeah, forgot where I put the pass. pass. Where? where it's what a, elementary a school did you see a comedy show at that you had to get a whole pass? <laughs> we're, we're actually on the network of 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 the of the club right now. So, but it was Governor's Comedy Club in Levittown. But it's a pass oh, that says okay. you paid for your drinks and 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 food if you had it. But you have to present a pass to get out. Oh yeah, no. you know, yeah, I've, yeah. Some clubs do that. They just want like they just want proof that you fulfilled the two drink minimum, like just basically the receipt that you paid and everything, because they don't want people sneaking out, you know, kind of dine and dashing kind of thing. I, I appreciate that, but it about. feels it feels a little captive. It's it not it's not a good experience. And I, I, you know what, I'm on their network right now, and it might not be tomorrow. Uh, oh my but, god! <laughs> but I feel like, I feel like the experience needs to be critiqued in a, in a way because as a as a consumer going there, this is the first time I've been there as a consumer. There's a lot of things that could be improved, and I think you know you need to point that out. Now, I'm sure that. Go ahead. I'm sure they'd appreciate the suggestion box. And they would kind of yeah. just every yeah. club has a suggestion box, and they tell you just fold it up and stick it up your ass. They don't yeah. really, it, you know. No, I know. Yeah, Keith, if I could ask you, um, is there like a club that you are trying to get into that you have not been able to get into that we can help you get into? Like you can like stay right now to that club and we can help you get in there. You know, just got it out. Who are you trying Uh, to what are you trying to get to? Brooklyn Comedy Club in uh in Williamsburg. Matt, dial him up, give him get him on the phone and I'll talk to him. Um, I don't think I don't think they're open. Honestly, I've been trying to get in there. Um, you know, I think it's just one of those things where I just need to improve my um, – I just have to improve my marketing. I'm trying to work on my social media kind of thing. I put my See, Instagram handle. That you was know. never a part of the comedian's job description 15 years ago even. It, it's 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 Sarah uh, did a bit about that, how she had to become a video editor as part of being a, a stand-up comedian. There's so much extra that you have to do now. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, it's like I look at the guys that I um, looked up to growing up, right, like Greg Giraldo or Louie or, you know, those guys that came up in the 80s and 90s where all they had to do was focus on comedy. And it's like, especially after the pandemic, you know, you have to grow your, you have to grow your Instagram following. You have to grow your um you have to grow your instagram following you have to grow your tiktok following like they want to see that you have like 10 20 30,000 followers before people even look at you and i think you know and that's ubiquitous everywhere you know i get it listen you're talking about being a consumer um you know they these guys they want to fill seats and i can't blame them especially after what they've gone through in the last couple of years you know they're all independently owned businesses they just want to make sure that they can make a profit and you know it sucks but um you know, I'm, you just have to work as hard as you can, just grind as hard as you can and, you know, take what you got. And, you know, that's just been my mentality over the last couple of years is just sort of focus on one thing right now. I just want to focus on my social media, um, you know, have the audience come to me 
you know, have clubs, you know, and venues want, you know, come to me because they see that I can get, um, you know, 20, 30,000 followers and that sort of thing. Wow. Well, yeah. now, how tall is the short guy? Because it says I hear the short two. guy. Five two. Uh, now, do you do two. the do you do the cute little guy stereotypical cute little guy jokes? You know, because I know a lot of honestly, I do. I know. I know. What are you number, talking about? Well, I know a number oh, of comedians no. who are under five foot six, and they sell themselves. They make themselves sound like the cute toy boy toy type of thing, and that's their shit. I call myself uh, microaggressive because uh, my whole thing is that I'm angry about it. So, uh, oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, I try. Uh, I mean, uh, I am. It's you know, I you know, anger is like the most natural emotion to me. So I, you know, so if I'm doing that on stage, uh, you, know, you can kind of see. You know, if you go on my Instagram or my TikTok, you can see clips of me just getting fucking. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, aggressive <laughs> on stage with just, this is how it is. But you know, I feel like that's just the most truest version of myself. I don't like doing, um, I really don't like trying to play a character or trying to, um, you know, kind of step outside of myself. I just want to be so, as. So which parent honest. do you blame for this? Do you blame your dad for the genes or do you blame your mom for fucking your dad? I mean, who do you blame for that? Because you're, if well, you're angry about it, you got to be some – or do you blame nobody? Is this acceptance I mean, anger? Well, it's kind of a little bit of both. I mean, I'm more pissed at my mom for fucking my dad in the first place. You know, my birthday's coming <laughs> okay. up. Just another reminder that I, uh, that I uh, exist. But, uh, no, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, look, I can't control this, man. I can work out as much, time, as, much as I want. Um, you know, whatever I got to do, but I'm going to be the same height no matter what. This is like the one thing you can't do anything about. So I'd rather just at some point you just have to accept it and lean into it. I'm going to say how this. Tall is oh. your, how tall is your lady? How tall is your lady? She's we're the same height. Look, I found someone. A lot of my a lot of my humor is about the fact that uh, before I met her, dating was, you know, next to impossible. Mm. Some of my favorite comedians, a lot of my favorite comedians are short in stature. I can name a, a bunch. Uh, one of my all-time favorites, classic guy who ended up killing himself, uh, Richard Jenny was very, oh, yeah. very small. But of the current comedians who've been on this show, we've had uh, Dave Landau, who Ian in the chat room hates. Uh, we've had Derek Sheen, John Pavaramo. Uh, I mean, I can go on and on. Like guys It's who a short list. Yeah, it's a short. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I think there's something to that. I mean that that you know being being short in stature be, builds up your uh, comedy chops young. So it probably starts in elementary school. Like it's part of your defense mechanism, right? Uh, yeah, I mean you know you're the little guy, so you you know everyone talks about in comedy like punching up. Like you're literally punching up. <laughs> all the time all like, the you time fight yeah. you got you know you you know you want to get a every every punch is an uppercut so yeah you know, i think uh, i think thank you for reminding time. me just quickly, I just want to uh, say that uh, about Tom Segura, uh, he's a punching down guy, and I just want to mention that. Uh, Comedians who are funnier than Segura. Teaching <laughs> a comedian who punches up, so he's wow. uh, much funnier than Tom Segura. Oh, my. Wow. <laughs> that, was, that was a great addition, Matt. I'm so glad you did that. That's yes. awesome. Thank you. I, uh... <laughs> Yeah, you put that so in your that, resume, yeah, Keith. It's official. Controversy lately, right? Where he's just like making fun of poor people for right, yeah. no reason. Yeah, yeah I, 
Homeless people, I, I, poor people, you name it. I don't know, man. I mean, yeah, I really liked Segura, like, you know, 10 years ago in college and, you know, in his heyday, but I don't know what's happened, but... Um, well, I had to Google. I don't, I don't know. I just, I just it came up on Reddit that he just like got into a Twitter. He just started like shitting on poor people on Twitter. I'm like, I, yeah. what's this about? Yeah. Uh, it's very strange. But I, you know what? I was watching uh, Jackie Martling on BertCast the other day. Uh, I was having a conversation with Jackie at the same time and watching it, him on BertCast. But it was revealed. Bert talks about that in the conversation with Jackie that – the broken arm thing changed Tom Segura. I didn't realize that, but Bert was acknowledging that he's a different person now. He was saying for the better, but he acknowledged that some of that punching down came about his recovery from the broken arm because people were busting his balls that you're gonna, you know, you're never gonna recover from this. You're gonna become a big fat clown again, and you're just gonna, you're gonna lose everything. And he was determined not to do that, and because he was able to weather that. He he got in a whole new attitude. Stupid! He broke I, his arm patting himself on the back. What the? <laughs> that is. That I is, mean, it's like no one. It's like you know, I like to call, you know the Barbra Streisand effect. That's what that sounds like. Where some fuck shit happens to you, like it goes viral. You just gotta let it die down and then just kind of make your way back. Because I feel like if you kind of change your whole persona around that, people are gonna shit on you even more. Right. right. It's like he breaks his arm, he recovers from his broken arm, and now he's a dick to everybody. Everyone's going to remind him about the broken arm. It's like, dude, like you were cool before right. you broke your arm. Now you're an asshole. Right. So, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. Um, play in New York City. Uh, generally, because this is a big difference between New York City and I think a lot of other places. You are performing if you're in Manhattan. A lot of times, half the room is not New Yorkers. They're not locals. They're tourists. Yeah, a lot of tourists, uh, especially in, like, Midtown, um, definitely in the village as well. But uh, I perform a lot in Midtown, and that's, you know, we get a lot of people out of Times Square. Uh, yeah, the, I love those guys. Uh, you know, it's fun to just sort of hear about – it's fun to just sort of hear about, like, where other people are from or, like, if I – done you know if someone's from a place i've done on the road or i've been to you can kind of poke a little fun at that um you know i think that the road compared to the city is a lot easier as far as audiences i think people are more open um you know they don't get to see comedy as often as people in new york so those audiences i feel like are a lot easier to sort of to uh to work with it's like people from the city that live in the city that grew up in the city those are the those are the people that are tough those are the people that like once you crack that nut you know, there's a reward, but no, I love. Well, and don't um, you think? Don't you think the expectation is higher for like if you go to a show in New York City? If I'm if, if I'm just a comedy consumer and I go to a show in New York City, my expectation is probably definitely higher. I would think because oh, I'm sure. in New York. I, like this is supposed to be where all the good ones are. No, for sure, and I think that, but that's kind of the thing about New York is it makes you better by osmosis you know right when you when you start doing comedy in you know in a place you, you know you do another scene somewhere else and you get used to that sense of humor and then you come to new york and you see how quickly how tight how fast you have to be right. in new york it just makes you better so even well, you know i say go ahead yeah you know i was gonna say because i've done i've done other cities where 
there's a huge difference between the top and the bottom. I think New York, there's a lot more parity amongst comics. Um, right. You know, a guy at the top isn't, I don't want to say a guy at the top is, um, isn't that different than a guy at the bottom, but everybody in the middle can kind of stack up against each other. I think there's other scenes where it's kind of like you have your top 1% and your bottom 99. Right. And see, and that's kind of like, I think the the benefit to being in New York is that you're around so many comedians that are better than you, no matter how funny oh, you are. Sure. No matter how funny you are, you're around so for many sure. comedians that are better than you. It's going to naturally up your game. But if I'm, but if I'm in a smaller uh, comedy community, then maybe there's only 20, 30 active comics running around the scene or whatever in some of these things. And, you know, yeah, there's maybe, maybe four of them that are like bookable, like on a regular basis and can be counted on every time. You know what I mean? Like, like, so there's like a, how do you, you know, how do you properly gauge where you're at, you know, without that competitiveness? Willie, there's a list. There's a list. They they keep a list of the funniest comedians on the planet. Okay. I know for a fact that I am the 1,186,782 comedian on the planet. It's a fucking list. You don't have to go sit there and, I mean, there are, okay, I got the list. There are only 20 comedians in the whole state of New York that are actually on the list that are considered to be funnier than me. 20. Okay? So New York is not as great as they think it is. I'm sorry. I, 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 I'm, I'm good. I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm good. I think we have said GD, but um, no, I mean, listen, I know what you mean. I mean, a lot of those guys, um, you know, I mean, to your point, a lot of those guys from the smaller scene, those top guys, those are the ones that are really able to either become road dogs or they eventually move to a scene like New York or uh, LA. Right. In New York City, I mean, it's really just like show to show. Like you could be the funniest guy on one show. You could bomb the next show. You could be sort of in the middle of the road. Right. There's a million factors that depend on that. What's the room? What's the crowd? What's the vibe? Everything. Um, you know, there's so many moving parts. Uh, you know, if you get like if you get a room where everybody's paying attention, everybody's having a good right. time, that's when you can really see where you are against the True. other comedians on that show. Because that way, you know, it's really the fairest way. You know, if I have a good set, but two other people on the lineup than me have a better set then I'm third on that show. You know what I mean? Right. So that's just yeah. how it is. And you just have but to be like, All right, be well, fair. I want to, I want to be one of those top one or two that night. And then, you know, every show I'm on. Yeah. Uh, it, this came up recently in a conversation and it, it, you don't, I'm not asking you to name names unless you want to, but have you been mistreated by a uh, headliner in a place that is, you know, a really, uh, well-known headliner you happen to open for, and they come on with a really bad attitude towards you and mis- mistreated you or a- any of that kind of negativity? Um, you know, it's He's hard to... coming back I in. haven't... Yeah, sorry, pop- I think there was a... There was, can you guys see, me, see and hear me? I think I there, was like now, a, yeah. Yeah, yeah. there was like a technical glitch. Um, I mean, look, I think... There, I, I haven't met a headliner that has really just been um, an asshole to me. You know, I think that there's been a lot of guys who, uh, once you're at a certain level, a lot of people really start to, like, level off with their attitude towards uh, towards newer people. Um, you know, there's definitely, like, the guys 
I mean, it's comedy. There's going to be some quirky people. There's going to be some people where you're like, I like there, you know, kind of the lights are on, nobody's home, but you know, luckily everyone's been pretty gracious. Uh, and I'm not just saying that, you know, it's hard for me to pin down. Like I haven't had an experience where somebody was just like outright shitty to me. Um, at least, uh, at least like a bigger name, you know? Yeah. Man, I'm, I, I'm, I get, I'm under the impression that it's a New York thing, and maybe uh, I, I'm not wishing it on you, but I think the longer you stay in New York City, the more likely that is to happen to you. But I, <laughs> trust me, I'm waiting for it. But you know, for now, uh, are you been, are you waiting for it? Lucky. How would how would you deal with it? I mean, would would you react and try to snap back, or would you just uh, say this guy's uh, it's it's out of my league? I'm just going to let him beat me up. Uh, you know, I think it depends because you always find yourself like sort of walking that line between if you don't stand up for yourself, no one's going to respect you. But if you disrespect somebody, they're going to take it personally. Right. So, um, you know, I think it just depends on the, on the person. Um, you know, is this worth my career to talk back to somebody or, you know, do you think maybe they'll actually, you know, start respecting you if you if you hit them back i mean it's tough it's again because you don't know like there's so many unhinged people and like you never know what's going to set them off right so you just have to kind of walk those fine lines and just you know keep your head down and you know make sure that nobody's uh the one you know, I, I, that's some... in my mind right now nate bergazzi uh was uh he wasn't even supposed to be like the feature, he was supposed to be an opener. Hannibal Burris was supposed to be the feature and didn't show up. And he brought the headliner up on stage and did a typical, uh, like reading the list of credits. Like he's been featured on his the show and that show. And the guy came up and he was pissed about that. Like you don't need to read. They know who they're here to see. And then from that moment on, he was making fun of Nate. This was years ago, making fun of it, like poking at him from because he was pissed about the way Nate brought him up on stage. And it's just like, I could see how egos would do that, you know? And oh, so it's, 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 it's absurd. I mean, but that's just, I mean, that's just show business. You know, I think with musicians, actors, like, it's just, I think it's just ubiquitous. I mean, even at a day job, people get really, you know, your boss, do you know who I am? It's just, yeah, that- humans are, you know, we all love to be on top. You don't come to Vegas and talk to a man like Mo Green like that. You guys yeah. even know that. <laughs> hey, that's Godfather all day long. I know that. <laughs> yeah. I know uh, that. Do you got uh, anything uh, uh, coming up that you want to let people know about while we're uh, doing this? Uh, you know, like I said, I just got off a weekend uh, hosting up in Yonkers Comedy Club. But, uh, you know, you can find me all around the city this week. Uh, I'm at the Three Monkeys on 54th Street tomorrow. Uh, I'm at the Grizzly Pear Midtown tomorrow. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, I'll be, I got some stuff coming up in November and December. Uh, I'll be in Connecticut on a, on, I think there's, I think I'm being new Haven in mid November. Uh, so yeah, you know, it's just sort of, like I said, it's like week to week, day to day. Again, it's like, you can wake up, have nothing. And then what's the best place for people to follow you? Cause I have link tree and Keith chase comedian scrolling across. It's in the description to get to the link tree. What is the best site to uh, social media site or whatever to keep up with where uh, you're going to be. I, th- I think my Instagram is probably my number one uh, as far as... Which is next to your name, be. correct? Yes, uh, Chase the Short Guy. That's right. All right, very cool. Uh, how much time do you do you spend on, on social media every day? 
too much. Uh, <laughs> too I, much. I, and it's not even posting. It's just scrolling and just sort of like, you know, just fucking off and swiping. It's, yeah, it's, it's toxic. Okay. If I have to listen, this comes back to the beginning of our conversation. If I didn't have to have social media, I wouldn't because it just makes me hate myself. I get it. I, I, if I didn't have to be on it, this is on social media, so it's kind of hypocritical to say this, but I hate it. I fucking hate, I hate what people are on social media. They're so phony in, a, in so many different ways, but it, it, it part of that definitely makes you kind of, it's like, it's like doing something you knew was wrong, but it felt uh, it was like a an addiction or something. When when you're done with it, you feel like, "What the fuck is wrong with me? Why did I just?" Yeah, dude. You get that. Po- you get that post nut clarity once your phone battery dies. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, Keith, I have a question for you. Um, What's up? It says, "Uh, chase the short guy." What do people get if they catch the short guy? You know what? I never stop running. You gotta chase me. I, got, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I don't. Maybe my my lucky charms. I, I. Yeah, I knew there had to be there had to be a pot of gold in there somewhere. You know, Jackie oh, yeah. sent me a thing about Seinfeld changing his. Jerry Seinfeld is not Jerry Seinfeld's name. It, he's got a really normal name. And and I was I was why would you change your name from I I forget what it was but it wasn't something that was not marketable, change your name from something to Jerry Seinfeld like what what uh, I'm guessing Keith Chase is your born name you didn't change change it to that right uh, I I did change it um it's my first and middle name uh, oh all right. I don't use I don't use my I don't use my last name uh, just because you know I Witness still protection? work a day job and yeah no it's just you know day job. I've had some friends uh, who use their real names. They, you know, they're found on social media and stuff. And um, you know, then they have to have a conversation with HR, and then they have to look at their <laughs> job. It's no, listen, it's it's that's a real, you know, that, that's the other thing about social media is like people just can just uh, dig up dirt on you, and then you know, listen. next thing you know, you're looking for jobs again. Yeah. I don't even so how know. dumb are the people you work for that they can't see your face, see Keith Chase, and not know that it's you. Just, well, I, you don't I have to answer just, that. I think it's just they just see my name, but I also, you know, I go out of my way to block, like, you know, my boss, my coworkers, and stuff. But you know, you just you can't be in this day and age. You can never be too careful. So um, that's just yeah. how I. With, with me, I mean, they're gonna they're gonna know. Like when I get hired at a regular job, I pretty much have to talk to HR right away because on my background check. It literally has one nut as one of my aliases. So <laughs> when one nut is an alias, like that's, we're going to have to talk Why about that right away. You know, Why is like, that your alias? Why are you? He got it uh, shot off in a gun. Yeah, I, I did get shot. Um, when, uh, when I got arrested in 2001, um, I was pretty pissed off. And back in those days, that was like, that was, Right towards the end of, this is probably about the middle of a three-year period where people didn't even call me by my real name. Everyone just called me one nut, like everybody. For like three years of my life, people didn't call me by my name. Everyone I met or was introduced to or anything, everyone called me one nut. I had a whole 
persona that surrounded around my penis. It was a pretty dark time, to be honest with you. It was, you know, because of the shadow. Anyway, anyway, I'm assuming this is the first time you've met somebody who's got their nut shot off off in a gunfight. Yeah, my apologies. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it was like you and Hitler, right? Those are the two. I think Hitler was born with that. Not I think he was oh, born I, that I, way. I thought it happened during World War One. He lost. Oh, that could be. Maybe, maybe. I knew he got a, a, a an injury in World War One. I. I didn't know it was the nut thing. Wow. At least if we have any Hitler aficionados out comedy, there. Though. What? Yeah. I said, thank God you went into comedy. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, it was a pretty natural choice, really. I'm I a mean, little concerned that you and Hitler have things in common. That's that's just now is when you're getting concerned. Like there hasn't been other things. I've been concerned about you for a long time, but not knowing that, not because there was this connection to Hitler. I didn't even that never even came up in my mind. Now, yeah, the concerns mount; they grow over time. You know what I mean. So we have to say goodbye to Governor's Comedy Club Network right now. Maybe for the last time. I just want to say this, Governor. Wait, wait. wait. Go ahead. I don't want governors to hold Keith's appearance on this program against him. If they should be mad at me, and and we might be losing them today, just know that Keith is a great guy. He's in the he's in the area. You want to book him for Govs? You want to book him for brokerage? You want to book him for McGuire's? He's available. Get in touch with him to uh, his link tree there, and don't hold uh, it against him. I I appreciate that. I'm a Long Island native. I have no problems with how you guys handle your business with the audience. Uh, with proof of purchase, just putting that out there. You guys yeah. love it the way you guys want, but as a Long Islander, yeah, I'd love to. You know, um, I've been to Governors a couple of times. I haven't played it, but um, you know, I think it's uh, I think it's a really awesome room. Uh, I got ties to Levittown. I have a bunch of friends there uh, from growing up. So brokerage yeah, is a better uh, brokerage is a Governors pro- property, but it's a better club. It's a better club. It just is the sound system's better. The the experience is better. Uh, there and but I would you know all all those clubs. The thing Saturday night I waited an hour and a half. Show showtime was supposed to be nine thirty. We didn't get in the club until almost eleven o'clock. Standing out in the cold rain, four hundred and fifty people or so on this long line, and standing out in the cold rain. It was like a really bad experience. It's not. It's not the way you want to do things. You really just want to keep digging your grave on this, don't you? No, I. I want. Yes, yeah, he, he's a double down kind of guy. <laughs> he's like, he's yeah. a double down kind of guy. Double down, triple down. <laughs> got to get it fixed. Well, <laughs> listen. To be honest with you, I think they gain more out of this relationship than I do. Uh, except I got um, I got recognized as the uh, mustache guy by people online, which was not comfortable for me. Hey, you're the morning mustache guy. Oh, okay. Uh, but other than that, I don't really get a whole lot from this relationship. And I do think if we're going to keep this relationship going, they got to up the experience. The experience counts. And if you're a comedy fan, you want the you want it to, you you know, if you're a comedy owner, you want everybody to walk away from that saying that was a really good experience. You don't want people like me being saying that was a shitty experience. So anyway, yeah. So, uh, weeknights now you got you mentioned a couple of things you're doing weeknights very different vibe in those kind of shows than the weekend shows in new york right uh oh for sure yeah i mean a weekend or sorry weekdays you're lucky if like shows happen sometimes just because there's so many going on it's like you'll have like 
five, six. Like if you have 10 people in an audience uh, on a weekday, some like sometimes like they're on like a Tuesday or a Wednesday, like that could be good. Weekends, yeah, that's when you have the rooms packed out wall to wall. Everyone's bringing their A game. You know, weekdays, people tend to work on like newer jokes kind of stuff. But um, uh, yeah, weekends for sure. I love, you know, that's you, the best time. Do you tape every single set you do and listen back or? Uh, yeah, I uh, I try to. Um, sometimes it's tough when you're Do or like, do not. There is no try. I, yeah, oh I do. It's, it's tough sometimes when, like, there's two people. The, I'm like, I'm not going to get anything out of listening to this if I'm just crowd working for 10 minutes because that's all there is to do. Like, when there's four people and it's it's a conversation at that point. You're not, you know, I like to have it going in case, like, I do end up writing a line, like, just improving a line on stage that really hits so that way I can come back to it. Um, but, yeah, if it's, like, if I'm doing, like, a tight set or a um, – or, uh, you know, I can just do material, then, yeah, I'll listen back. Right. Now, I'm assuming because uh, you, you already talked about this, uh, the short guy kind of mentality and you get aggressive. You do a bit of crowd work, a lot of uh, back and forth between. Uh, I have. It depends. Uh, I do have some, like, kind of canned bits uh, in my crowd work where usually I'll ask like, you know, if there's like a group of pretty girls that kind of laugh at me being short, I kind of, I'll ask them like, I'll pick the one out that's laughing the loudest. I'll be like, what's the shortest guy you've slept with? And then depending on her answer, I'll either say she's doing the Lord's work or she can go to hell or something like that. So, <laughs> um, you know. yeah. Right. If he's taller than you go to hell. Well, it's, yeah. like, well, it's like sometimes it's like, sometimes they, they like take forever and I'm like, all right, I know it's going to start with a six. And we just move on from that. Like, but sometimes they'll surprise me. They'll be like, "Oh, I've like I've slept with like five three or five one. and I'm like, "All right, you're you're doing the Lord's Peter work." Peter Dinklage. Yeah. Peter Dinklage. Oh, that guy. Uh, yeah, he makes me look like Shaq. Uh, I, you know. Yeah. yeah. I, I have seen him in person before, and I'm like, wow, I really had no idea. I you're like, wow, I'm not even short. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I, I, I was standing next to Joe List last week, and uh, I was I felt like I was five two. I mean, I I would I've seen him live three or four times, and I've seen him on television and the internet many times. I had no idea he was bigger than Shaq. <laughs> he, he's huge. He's, he's way. I mean, up yeah, there. Sam Sam really. He's another guy who the first time I saw him in person, I was like, just how tall he was. I was just right in awe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, New York is there is there pressure to get into a click um, it can be clicky yeah but I think you know you get that anywhere where there's this many people everyone's going to have their group of friends everyone's going to have their um, the people that they kind of travel around with the people that they um, they hang out with even outside of comedy um, you know I think that's just more of an issue of size than it is anything else. I think that's just human nature. When you have that many people, you're just gonna you're just gonna try and make a big thing smaller. Yeah, uh, but I, it it seems to me like there's a lot of uh, nastiness, the uh, territorial kind of stuff, uh, click click attitude where they exclude people if they're not part of the click, and it becomes this like uh, I don't know West Side Story. What were the Jets against the something sure. Chucks? That kind of mentality, and more so in New York, 
and uh, I, more so in the, I should say, on the coast, the East Coast, New York and L.A., more so than any place else. Uh, in I town. mean, for sure. But, you know, like I said, you just pointed out the two biggest scenes, I think. You know, there's a there's a, a level of, you know, it's economics, right? I mean, there's a level of hunger that everybody has, but there's also a level of scarcity to satiate that hunger. And people are going to form packs to take advantage of uh, of the most. So, yeah. Um, you know, I think that's, like I said, it's human nature. You go to high school, it's like that too. You know, you have a class of 1,200 kids or something. You're going to find your people, you're going to find your friends, and that's who you're going to hang out with. So, You, right. you know um, you know what I'm uh, just occurred to me that I'm surprised about? You're on the streets in New York City. We yeah. have not heard one siren this whole time. Not so, one. Yeah. I, I found, I made sure of that. I found a quiet place. Uh, I'm currently... <laughs> So uh, I'm, by, I'm actually on the campus of FIT, Fashion Institute, uh, a couple blocks away from Gotham Comedy Club. So I did that purposefully because I knew they, they close off the um, like 27th Street. They close it off to through traffic. So there's no... Uh, so well, we appreciate you like taking that extra effort. Yeah. Thank you for that. Oh, but, yeah. Yeah. It was just odd to me. I just, it just occurred to me, like, wow, it really, seems really serene for New York City. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, this is as close to a college campus as I think I'll find. So, you know, it'll be, uh, you know, it's nice and, uh, nice and quiet. Yeah, your girlfriend's doing a job interview, and she's not listening anyway. A lot of hot chicks on in FIT, right? A lot of, a lot of beautiful women walking around there. Uh, yeah, it's kind of hard not, it's kind of hard to keep my focus on you guys, but I can, <laughs> I can see that. Well, we appreciate you getting up in the morning. We, you know, and anything you have coming up, you want to send me stuff. We'll promote you, uh, till the cows come home and the cows will be home shortly. But, uh, after the cows come home, we'll even promote you then too. I mean, so I appreciate that. Send right? me all yeah, the info anything. for any shows that you have that you want to let people know about. We'll, we'll highlight it here. Uh, of course, yeah. Like I said, tomorrow, Three Monkeys, 8.30, Wednesday, Grizzly Pair Midtown, 10.15, and then, you know, we'll see what happens from there. Uh, you know, it's all week to week, so if I have anything else coming up, I'll, uh, I'll you can find it on my Instagram, Chase the Short Guy. Great, thanks. And uh, I will definitely uh, tell people uh, in the clubs that we work with out here on Long Island about you and see if we can get you out here. Uh, what part of Long Island, you said you were a native of Long Island, what part did you grow up on? Oh man, this is the part I hate. Uh, I grew Uh-oh. up in uh, <laughs> I grew no, I grew up in Roslyn, um, which that comes with certain connotations that uh, people make assumptions about you that I don't really like to uh, get into. But hmm. yeah, I, I wouldn't. Um, I just these guys have no idea because Willie. Yeah, he, no clue. He, he's in he's in uh, Grants, New Mexico. And uh, originally from Iowa with the Sioux Falls in between some Sioux Falls. Gotcha. Uh, and uh, GD's in Maryland. So they have no idea what Roslyn means. To me, as a South Shore guy, uh, Roslyn, my first thought is my father's place because that's that was the place. Yeah, the, my, yeah they, um, they reopened. I was trying to uh, – I was actually in talks to perform there pre-pandemic like a week before – Lockdown, lockdown. Then they uh, they moved out. They were at the hotel. I think now they're in Glen Cove. Uh, yeah. yeah, no. The, uh, Epi seems like a really good dude. I remember because my mom is also she went to high school in Roslyn, and she used to tell me about like my father's place in its heyday. 
Yeah, you know, that's, in the 80s. That, that, and, yeah. That's when I was there. <laughs> uh, 1978 is the first time I played a show there. Last time I played a show there was like 83. So that that heyday was the time I was there. Epi is a beautiful person. He's the cheapest motherfucker who ever lived. <laughs> I, <laughs> I think he's still I can, beautiful. I can, I can name a few people in the city that probably can best come on the cheap shit. I promise I, you. I think he still owes me for a show we did in 1982. But, well, <laughs> but, but Keith, are they beautiful and cheap? See, this is what Matt was saying. He's beautiful and cheap. Your cheap oh, no, people, these, are they also beautiful? Oh, no. They're they're ugly motherfuckers, <laughs> assholes, and they're cheap. <laughs> Great place to end it, Keith. Uh, thank you for being here this morning, and and uh, hopefully come back sometime. We appreciate it, man. Thank uh, yeah, I'd love to be back. Thank you guys so much for having me. All right, Have a great day. Oh, you're blacklisted. You're not coming back. Don't worry about it. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen. After the full governor's thing, uh, yeah, he's right. two great guests today. Yeah, see you. Bye All for right. now. Leave. You can leave. Bye. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Don't be abusive to the guests. He gets enough of that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, guy. yeah, two great guests today, two great comedians. I think we're, you know, I, I appreciate uh, both of them getting up early. This is the, the thing. Tomorrow we only have one comedian on, uh, Anthony Ladon, who I, I don't think it's pronounced Ladon, uh, in the 9.15 slot. No comedian in the 10.15 slot. So maybe we'll uh, get a chance to catch up on some of the new bits we're doing and all that stuff. Uh, Willie's got a, a piece he's going to be introducing. I don't know. Are you going to do it tomorrow? The I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess we're kind of out of time today. Unless you want to do it quick. I mean, no, I, 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 I do. I didn't prepare oh. the intro and outro oh. and all that stuff yet. So sorry. I didn't That's know right. you. Listen, you can't kill, call me up at ten o'clock on a Sunday. No, you're night. right. You're right. You're right. Because you're two, <laughs> and well, and that's the other thing that I got to remember is that you're two hours ahead of me. So, right. like, you know, when I'm doing something at eight thirty on a Sunday night, it's ten thirty for you. You right. know what I mean? Like, and you have to um, in the, he's old. Well, you have to add another half an hour for age. Uh, I did want to mention, though, that um, today is World Cat Day, and it's also National Feral Cat Day, so mind your pussies out there, people. What? What? That's, I'm talking about the cats. Yeah, I get yeah. it. So you went right? from making guys suck a, 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 another guy's dick to uh, pussy day. and no, 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 that is not what happened, bro. Oh, my God. No. Okay. So, Cam Patterson is this phenomenal new comedian. He ran into this white couple that liked him so much that the the dude from the couple let his girl suck Cam Patterson's dick out of appreciation. There's not really a big difference there. Let made... Let me. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, she sounded like she was very hip to the idea, like wanted to. Like, all right. So, uh, before we, we we sign off, then I guess this might be a good uh, a little topic to touch on. Have either of you ever been tipped a blowjob or uh, paid in sex in any way for a performance? Look at this. GD's popping off and on. For, for comedy? Yes. Comedy, uh, music, whatever you did. I mean, there was definitely a chick that I got with. So when I was in California, there was a chick that I got with for like maybe three months or whatever. And, and like, that's how I got to do the ice house in Pasadena. Um, 
And there was like a couple other rooms that I gained access to. And had it not been for that chick, I definitely would not have gotten in there. Wow. Um, I have had uh, sex while performing. While uh, performing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. That's... Uh, I, I can tell you this. It, it doesn't work. I, I can imagine it's very it's, distracting. You cannot concentrate. Right. I'm playing guitar and performing. Uh, not the chords you're concentrating on. <laughs> the, the club, one of the clubs we used to play at, uh, a lot of that went on. The, the time I remember most was, uh, and this didn't really involve me, it involved uh, other people in the band. There was a guy who brought his girlfriend up uh, and was making her show her tits to the band, and he was pulling her tits out and playing with them. And then people in the band were starting to suck on the tits. And uh, one of the girls who was like the major, like she was part of the band, but not part of the band. She was like such a groupie that she would spend most of her time pegging the bass player while he was playing. But she went down on this girl right on the fucking right in front of the band in this club. I mean, things were a little bit uh, wilder then, I guess. But yeah. Uh, how about you, GD? You ever get tipped uh, a sexual favor? When I was a stripper, yes, but not, not <laughs> as a comedian, and not with my current wife. <laughs> gotcha. No, yeah. Well, when I say ever, uh, I'm pre. It could be predating. Uh, yeah, know. but certain situations date things. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, my, my situation happened years and years and decades ago. It hasn't happened in a long time, and I don't think yeah. it'll ever happen again. So, uh, well, you brought it up, and, you know, that, that was basically a tip. I'm so the, the, the Cam uh, story, it was basically a tip. I mean, kind of, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, uh, they like his stuff so much that, like, she sucked him. Yeah. Yes. Like, uh this and i i just want i just want to say i mean that's that's uh, that's why i got into entertainment for the blowjobs and i've been largely disappointed right. <laughs> i mean that's why i started playing music in the first place with the hope that it would lead not necessarily blowjobs but sex in general uh yeah. you know it, it, it hasn't really worked out no no if you're getting into entertainment for for the sex don't do it. Just fucking stop. <laughs> like, it's that's not the, there. <laughs> that's the story for today, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, it's been great. Uh, I'm going to let you guys go, and then I'm going to sign off and tell people to turn on their radio. Have a great day. Thanks for being here. Right, Bye. All right. Uh, that's the big message for today is don't get into show business for the blowjobs. Uh, it's been a great experience this morning. I hope it left you wet and wild and all that kind of stuff. Uh, tomorrow, as I mentioned, Anthony Ladone is here. Uh, I got to get going because I got to be on the Big Bad Broadcast very shortly. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Don't forget to turn on your radio. Bye for now.
listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now.